Hey, Coach Arlen here. What do Walt Disney, Andrew Carnegie, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and FDR all have in common? They shared one secret that propelled them to achieve remarkable success. They each belonged to a mastermind group. If you've never experienced the power of a mastermind group, now is your opportunity. Join my business success mastermind group today. New cohorts are starting soon. To learn more, go to ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. The Courage to Lead, episode 236. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Kevin Stafford. Kevin Stafford is the director of marketing and wearer of many hats at Boxer Media, a branding and marketing agency that specializes in serving coaches and consultants in expanding their impact and growing their business. Kevin is also host of the Conversations with Coaches podcast, where he interviews successful coaches about how they got their start in coaching the foundations and framework of their coaching practice, and the strategies and habits that have helped them get to where they are today. Kevin, welcome to the program. Thanks, Harlan. Yeah, we met we met on that podcast. And uh, yeah, I, was, I was immediately taken by just the opportunity to talk with you. And as soon as you mentioned you had a podcast, I but basically I, I tried very hard not to volunteer myself. I waited for you to invite <laughs> me. I was like, I just want to talk to you again. So I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, this is great. I've been looking forward to it. And wearer of many hats. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> because we all get in those situations where it's like, yeah, today I'm doing this, then I do this, then I do this. And yeah, awesome. We used to call yeah. it in, in consulting, we called that hatting, right? Hmm. What are you doing today? I'm just hatting. I'm Whatever hat I need to wear, I'm wearing and I'm doing whatever I need to do. So I'm with you. All right. <laughs> um, definitely want to talk about your background, how you guys started and all this, uh, what you guys are doing over at Boxer Media. But before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I like to ask each one of my guests. Now, listeners know these are the questions from... Uh, the act inside the actor's studio, where the host James Lipton asked these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I always figured if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. <laughs> so, Kevin, if you're ready, I've got 10 questions. All right. Question ready to go. One. Ready. All right. What is your favorite word? Favorite word. A good question. I have, it's, I, it's, it's a rotating cast. Because <laughs> I've always been so taken with the way that this language, you know what, I'm going to go with my favorite word right now, because as I'm casting my mind around, I was going to use the word that the way that language tickles around my brain. And I was like, interesting tickles. There's sort of like a little like there's a, like a gentle, delightful teasing to it. There's something that provokes feeling, but not overly so something that's curious about it. So I think today, my word, my favorite word today is going to be tickle. It's it's held that, I think it's held that uh, that seat a few times in the past. But yeah, I like that. I like everything that it means. It's also just a light, fun word, you know? Cool. All right. What is your least favorite word? Ooh, that's tough. I mean, the <laughs> the kind of cheeky, boring, corny answer is, you know, the word that least expresses what I'm thinking or feeling. That's, but that, I'm actually going to pick one. I'm not going to, I'm not going to cheap out on that one. Oh, least favorite word, man. Uh, it's 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 two words, but I'm gonna mash it into one. And this is for all varieties of this thing. Cable news. 
Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> that's totally that's, agree. I'm, I'm going to take those two and mash them into one because yeah, that's that represents a lot of a lot of things that I find just distasteful at best about yes. the way that we educate and inform ourselves. So yeah, we'll stick with that one. <laughs> Very good. Cable news. All right. What turns you on? Ooh. Um, you know what? I'm just gonna go first word that came to mind is conversation. And that's true. Um, and I've gotten repeated proof of that over and over again. Conversation with with any other human being, or honestly, even like any other like living entity that clearly has some kind of intelligence. Like I love interacting with animals. I love that like sort of that that obvious nonverbal communication that happens. And I just love all kinds of conversing and exchange with with people, with entities, with living creatures. It's just a consistent source of newness and delight and certainty as well in a weird way it's it's all it's all kind of complicated and jumbled in there but at its core it's just very simple very clean you know human relationships nice very cool okay what turns you off Ooh, well you might you might jump to the conclusion or at least it, it might be it might be easy to just go for the opposite and be like oh being alone or being signed up but i actually really do enjoy my solitude definitely a natural introvert so it's definitely not that what turns me off is probably ooh a certainty of assumptions whenever whenever i encounter someone who has fully and completely decided some something about me or about someone i care about and they're so wrapped up in their certainty that there's no there's no way to connect now you know what that's probably it right there that that closing off that really yeah. turns me off in a way that can sometimes be unhealthy. We're all like shut down and be a little bit maybe ruder than I should be in circumstances like that if I sense that in somebody else. Um, but that definitely does flick flick my switches to the down direction. Okay, very good. What sound or noise do you love? Ooh, you know, I love, it's going to be real specific because the, uh, the, um, the NBA, um, basketball is about to hit it's heading into its playoffs this week huge basketball fan and one of my very favorite sounds in all the sports and so therefore one of my very favorite sounds in the world is the sound of a crowd getting hushed when a player takes a shot and the shot goes up and you hear the buzzer for the end of the game like you hear the honk and then there's like that very quiet moment while the ball's in the air the crowd's hanging on what's going to happen you hear the buzz and then there's just this swish that clinch of the net around the basketball as it goes in and then the roar of the crowd right after that like that's that that like second and a half two seconds is one of the purest sounds in sports for me i love that sound very cool good job love <laughs> that whole imagery yeah <laughs> all right what sound or noise do you hate Ooh, let's see Ooh, car horns on a freeway it's just it's so like it's just it's no I, I don't mind noise in fact cacophony can sometimes be very very uh almost meditative for me it can like turn me inward in ways i find helpful but that particular kind of noise it's so blaring and blunt and kind of angry and also ineffectual and it's all distanced and it's just this big noise going nowhere <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on the horns, on, horns on a freeway yeah. or horns on a, on a slow or stalled freeway. Horns going nowhere. Absolutely. All right. Uh, what sound or uh, no next question. What is your favorite curse word? Hmm. It's a funny one. I actually, I, I'm, I'm always very, I'm a, my favorite word just came up. I'm always very tickled by creative curse words that aren't like traditional curse words or just curse words from like other cultures that I'm like, Oh, that's great. Um, and one that I really love is bollocks. 
just okay. borrowing from the Brits. That, like bollocks yep. where there's like basically you're calling like that's BS, you know, yes. but like that's, that's just, bollocks is such a fun word to say. It feels yeah. good in my mouth when I say it. But it's also like, and you could definitely be calling something out when you call something bollocks or that's bollocks or this is bollocks, like complaining about a situation. But there's something lighthearted about it for me. Maybe it's its novelty or its distance from my own culture. But I just, I love bollocks, both as a, as a, as a verb, as a noun, as an adjective. <laughs> just a fun curse word. <laughs> there you go. Very cool. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Ooh. That's a good one. Let me think about that one for just a beat here. You know, actually, I don't even know if that's a profession. I've always loved bike touring, um, a bicycle. I I was a bike commuter for for decades, really, like what kind of long distance, like doing anywhere from five to ten thousand miles a year, um, mm-hmm. just on the commute, and then I would go for longer rides. When I, especially, I started that in New Mexico, where I would go around on like the uh, there were always paths next to all the drainage arroyos in the bigger cities. And I would just go touring around them. And then I would go find other trails and I would start going up into the foothills and even up in the mountains. I just, I always loved that. I don't know how to get paid for that, (laughs) (laughs) but just that, that traveling around under my own power, um, either on my own or with other people and kind of just like having that be, you know what? I am kind of stumbling into it. The, you know, the travel shows where people just go places and they meet the people and they eat the food and they say, they participate in the culture and they stay for a while and they really like invest. And then they, you know, eventually go on to the next thing. I love that. I think I love that. Yeah. I think that would be it. If I could find a way to get paid to travel around largely under my own power, but probably with some assistance here and there, because I'm, I'm a middle-aged man now. I don't, ha- I don't have the end- endless energy I used to. Um, something like that, I think would just be, be delightful. And, and also an excuse to do one of my favorite things is meet, meet more people. <laughs> nice. Okay. Very cool. What profession would you not like to do? Ooh, I think I would like to never again. And this is just obviously this is going to come from personal experience. I would like to never again be in a call center. <laughs> yeah. I don't there. mind I, the, 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 the highs can be kind of nice. Like when, whenever, whenever you help someone that always feels pretty good, but that's just not a great environment for experiencing the real joy of helping someone. Usually you're channeling or trafficking in or being the brunt of or bearing the weight of somebody's disappointment or upsetness or anger or whatever happens to be in the, and the, and the call center environment is very, at least when I was in it, which has been a little while now, but I still have like visceral memories of it. And just very sterile and very like cubed off. And like, yeah, I would, I would never want to go back to that. (laughs) No, hundred percent. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Hmm. Welcome. Come on in. All your friends are here. Nice. Absolutely. Good job. (laughs) All right. Then we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk about how you got your start, um, how you got into marketing, the things you guys are doing over at Boxer, uh, talk about your podcast, and at some point, transition into courage and leadership. All right? Excellent. Cool. All right. Listeners, we'll be talking about all that and more right after this, so stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back 
and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine any more. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Kevin Stafford. Kevin, thanks again for taking time out of your your busy schedule to be with us. Uh, been looking forward to the conversation since I was on your podcast, Conversation with Coaches. I thought, man, this would be a great, great conversation. So tell me, how'd you get into marketing? You know, a lot of people, somebody in their family was in this business and they decided to follow in. You talk to people, you know, I'm from the Atlanta area and stuff. And it's like, why are you a lawyer? People go, well, my daddy was a lawyer. My granddaddy was a lawyer. My great, great daddy was a lawyer. Do you come from a marketing family? How did you get involved in marketing? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I got into, well, it actually kind of goes back both into my more distant adult past and also my very recent past. I was in my early 20s. I just knew someone who was working as a, uh, um, um, like a, like a Photoshop expert at an ad agency in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and they were enjoying the job. They were enjoying the people they were working for, the kind of work they were doing. And there were some openings in the, uh, it was a pre-press, um, a pre-press advertising agency. So there would be lots of stuff designed and then we would develop, we would print film, like, you know, very like the kind of, the kind of film you put onto a printing press to actually, you know, do a press run. Um, and they had a, a, a film room and like a proofing room where you would make sure that the film was, you know, exactly what it was supposed to be. There were no mistakes. And so you'd run these proofs. You, it was uh, working with like chemicals and working with machines, but also like adjacent to a more traditional ad agency office environment. And I was like, it's kind of a fun, fun way to just like learn a bunch of new skills and also kind of just, you know, work my way up or through and like find other fun things to do. Um, and so I got started there and eventually worked my way into all sorts of all sorts of different roles at that at that agency, which is probably where my where my many hat wearing began, um, because it was just a matter of seeing like learning what was there to be learned and getting good at the things that I was there to do, and then just finding other stuff to do. Um, I, I eventually moved into all sorts of stuff at the office. Like I I, I ran the uh, ran the office for a while. Like I managed the office. I managed all of the uh, the the servers. Like I ran the servers and did all the all the data backups. I remember oh. using I remember using little tape backups. Do you remember those little tiny little tapes? Oh, yeah. oh I, I can't tell you how many hundreds of those I I archived. Um, but then eventually I moved into the more creative side of things. Um, mostly man in like managing and running accounts. Um, having conversations that would lead to, you know, that would inform campaigns for some of our clients. And I really, I, there's a lot of that that I really ended up enjoying. And for various reasons, I ended up leaving that ad agency. Some other opportunities came up and I kind of went for those. And this was back in like, this is early mid twenties, but I still, I, I enjoyed lots of it. There were some aspects of it I didn't quite like, but that were more specific to just, well, I was going to say the time and the location, but let's be frank. I was in early to mid twenties, you know, jerk <laughs> not not that i've completely grown out of that but i can certainly look back at that that younger version of me and be like what were you doing buddy right <laughs> but i always maintained some some passion for the work um in large part because it felt like it felt like connection and communication and conversation and translation and getting somebody's you know understanding what someone was trying to put out there and then being a part of getting it out there at its foundation um and then about at this point now, about three and a half years ago, um, a good friend of mine was starting his own marketing agency. 
and was just kind of like like took my temperature and was curious about like whether or not like you know he knew that I'd had the experience in the past and had, had spoken well of it you know in, in certain contexts and he was like you ever curious about getting back into it I was like you know yeah at least it's like shake the dust off of some of those muscles and see what things look like. Like I'd never really done any like proper digital marketing. It, it was, you know, decades in the past at this point. And so I just kind of started doing little, little, little odd tasks and little, little projects uh, for him, for the agency, just kind of on my free time as I was working, I was a, um, a manager at UPS, uh, which we'll probably get into here later on. Um, and I just kept wanting to do more and doing more. And I kept being like, you know what, let me just kind of like make myself available certain hours. And so I'm progressing through. And then we're starting to move from 2019 into 2020, which is when a certain other thing begins to happen. We begin to get word there at the end of 2019 that stuff's going on in, in China. And it seems like it's a little something more than we're used to hearing. So let's keep an eye on that. And I kind of, I got, I got my, my hackles up. I was like, I got, I kind of sensed it. I can kind of tell earlier, this was going to be a big a big thing, but I wasn't quite sure what shape it would take. And I was like, you know, it'd be a good idea if this did develop into a job that I could do from home <laughs> for like, like for a bunch of personal reasons and exciting reasons. I was very interested in moving into the back into the field. Um, but that developed very quickly. So by the time we got to March, I was basically doing like 20 to 25 hours a week on top of my full-time job, just doing everything that I could to try to help grow the agency and see if I could find a place in it. And then by the time June 2020 rolled around, there was an opportunity to move into it full time. And so I was like, all right, bye bye UPS. Hello, boxer. And it's nice. been it's been full steam ahead <laughs> ever since. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Very cool. So how long were you with UPS? I started with them in 2018. So I was really only I was with them for a little less than two years. It was just a hair less than two years. And I started out. Now there, there'll be some stories about uh I met some very very excellent leaders, leaders whose like whose demeanor and their way of going about things just stuck with me and informed how I've developed myself as a leader. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a two year odyssey and was really I, I really liked where it was going. I liked working um, initially through the Teamsters, you know, union, union strong uh, for UPS right. and then moving into management. And I was, I was kind of really enjoying the ins and outs of it. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was a two, two, two years in my early 40s that were very, very interesting. I liked yeah. I liked them a lot. I got I miss it sometimes, but I also really love where I'm at. So <laughs> I think I think I was there for maybe four months, six months, UPS, and they start everybody off unloading trucks. Mm -hmm. And then you start sorting the things as they're coming off the truck. So you're throwing boxes over your shoulder and down. It's, yeah. <laughs> my back will never be the I same. I got in shape. I got I got yeah. into really good shape really quick because I started yeah, I in the summer yeah. of 2018. And it was, you know, it was an, a non-temperature controlled warehouse, the one that I was working at at first. And so, yeah, I got I got in good shape in a hurry and very quickly found myself doing like package clerking where I was doing lots of like, you know, lost package discovery and package routing. And I could move my way up there. But yeah, you, everybody starts unloading trucks. It's yeah. <laughs> it's a right passage. <laughs> very cool. All right. That brings us to Boxer. When did you join Boxer? So this was officially I started. I started a formal relationship with Boxer in like late February of 2020 um, and came on full time on on my birthday, June 1st, 2020, which June 1st is coming back up again here soon. I'm very excited about that. But so, yeah, it's been coming. It's been a little more than three years that I've been been officially affiliated with Boxer. Very cool. Yeah. And director of marketing. Have you done other things there? Or I mean, wearing many hats, you've probably done a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I do I'll, a director of marketing kind of is, is a, a bit of a catch all for all the things that I do. There's 
social media marketing and email marketing, both for Boxer and for our clients, um, a fair amount of like, you know, low, like kind of low level web development work. I've gotten myself very acquainted with WordPress and Elementor and like, you know, the, the world of plugins and, you know, how to use various platforms, you know, familiarize myself with the square spaces of the world and their, mm-hmm. their, their various pleasures and pains. <laughs> um, <laughs> lots of uh, branding. Um, I've really grown in my ability to assess and develop a brand. Um, and it's also, it aligns very, very strongly with my, with some of my favorite things. Again, it's that like conversation and connection mm-hmm. and elaboration. Um, and I really, I found myself immediately and still find myself very attracted to that kind of work, um, which is very similar to what a coach does. There's a lot of, there's a lot of dig in, be vulnerable, kind of guide discovery. And then like, so, so what's going to be the best expression of this for you? And it's very, very, I, I very much like the, uh, the alignment between what we do as marketers and the way we approach it and what coaches do as coaches and the way that they approach it. It's, it's, it's a good, I, I hate using this word, but it's the right word. There's a good synergy there. <laughs> yeah, I knew that word was coming. Um, yeah. A lot of people think of branding and they think logo and color. Mm. Branding is so much more than that, right? Because mm-hmm. it is, how do you get the message out and that consistency of the message so that when people see or hear something, they know exactly who you're talking about. It's so important to like, and that I like that, that the emphasis you just had on who you're talking to, because you get, that's, you have to, it's so easy to lose sight of that, especially when you get into the weeds, you get into the work, there's a lot to do. I mean, you can't not have a logo. You do need one. It's going to be helpful to pick like a good color or two or three and like settle on a font. But like, (laughs) that's the kind of stuff that's very easy to get lost in. Mm-hmm. And lose sight of the fact that really you're trying to orient yourself to connecting with your clients, your ideal clients, your desired clients, the kind of people you want to work with. And yeah, it's like, I think and it's one of the reasons I love working with coaches so much is because they, they know that in their bones. They know that fit is one of the, if not the most important thing they're going to need to have a successful relationship with a client. And they're in the business because they want to help. That's like they, every coach pretty much without exception that I can think of that I've spoken to, and it's hundreds at this point, all of them are united by a desire to serve. They got to a point in their life where they were like, you know, I want to share the things that I've learned and the things that I know in a way that's going to help people have the same kind of discovery and go on the same kind of joyful journey that I have and want to continue to go on. Um, And that's having, being a marketer, (laughs) which can be somewhat of a dirty word for people, but having being marketers that are aligned much more like coaches and being able to express that myself has really made this, I was going to say job, it's made this job much more of a passion for me and really is what, what I was drawn to in the first place and what I'm continue, I continue to be drawn to that because I just that, that desire to serve. It's like, I want to help you express who you are and how you want to be in the world in a way that connects with the people you want to serve. And that's you know, everything. I mean, there's lots of other stuff to it, but everything else follows that. All the all the all the growth and the scaling and the profitability and the everything else will come out of that, in my opinion. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I did a, a webinar a couple of years back. Who are you who do you think you're talking to? Because mm-hmm. so many people set up their website and their business and they talk about, look at me. I've got certifications. I've got all, you know, these degrees. I have this. My granddaddy started the business hundred years ago. We've been in the same location. Like none of mm-hmm. that matters. Talk to me about my problem. If you understand my problem, I'm in. You know, mm-hmm. so it's getting that conversation the right direction, and and exactly how to connect with the people. 
Yeah, I'll have plenty of opportunity to show, to tell you and to show you who I am and who we are. That can come, that, that'll come naturally. I want to start and stay focused on right. what we can do together, where you're hurting, where you have a need and how we might be able to help. Yeah, exactly. So the people you work with, the, the clients you work with and stuff, what are they, what are they missing? Do they, is it the clarity of their message or have they not focused enough on exactly what their message is? How do you help them? There's, it's, there's some, sometimes there's that, or, and this is a little bit more, more common, I think, because a lot of the, a lot of the people, a lot of the clients and coaches we work with are to some degree successful. They have businesses that are self-sustaining. They've got some revenue. They maybe have like a small team here and there. And whether it's because they've like hit the ceiling on their referral network, like they've basically, you know, they've gone through the Rolodex and they've gotten the clients they're going to have, and they've got the repeat business they're going to have, and they've, they've basically kind of tapped out that well or because they've reached a point where they want to grow or scale their, not, not just their business, but their impact. Like they want to reach more people and have more of an effect, but they're not sure how their messaging evolves, how their business evolves, how their own approach evolves in order to do that. Um, like that transition from say like the exclusively one-to-one coaching where it's like, I have all these great clients and you bump into that, like there's only 24 hours in a day. I can only have so many one-to-one clients. I know I could do more. I also am working myself ragged and I know that's not sustainable. And there's all sorts of stuff like that going in. So how do I still have the same or greater effect and the same or greater kind of growth while transitioning away from, you know, all one-to-one coaching? Do I do a mastermind? Do I do group? Do I start keynote speaking? Do I write a book? You know, there's all sorts of different ways to go. And those transition points those uh, tipping points, I mean, to, to borrow a, a, a common term, those are very tricky to navigate from a business and marketing perspective in particular, how you evolve and grow while staying true to yourself and true to your business and stay on the path you want to be on and still serving the people you want to serve. And so that's, that's where I think we serve our clients best. And obviously we take care of a lot of other stuff too, <laughs> but that, I think that's where we have our best impact. Nice. Very cool. And so Boxer, you guys specialize in, in coaches, right? Are there mm-hmm. other groups you guys work with? Um, I mean, we do have, we have some other clients on the roster. I mean, we have, my goodness, we have actually a wedding venue, <laughs> like, a, like a high-end wedding venue that we do some branding and marketing for. Um, we did some, some med spa. We have a med spa client that we, that we've, that we've had for years, like pretty much from the beginning. Um, and again, it's sort of like ch- children of the referral network where it's like we just have right. like colleagues and, and like business connections that were just like, hey, we can help you. We can serve you. And so we do like website work for them, um, some social media stuff for them. We actually worked with some um, some fitness brands. Uh, we still have a couple right. of those on our on our roster and we have a few more that, you know, have they, they kind of come back every every once in a while for some more work. Um, yes. which granted is kind of coaching adjacent, but is a little bit different too. Like, you, you know, you have like, yeah. as opposed to like short form video where you're sharing, you know, something about your, your message, you're actually, you know, maybe demonstrating an actual workout. It's like, yeah. this will, this will, you know, improve your glutes or whatever like that. And right. it's, it's, there's some adjacency there, but it's also very distinct and different. So yeah, we have a, we have a fairly diverse client roster, but we, we rigorously focus on on coaches and coaching and coaches of all kinds too, because there sure. are, as you well know, there are so many different yes. kinds of coaches these days. <laughs> millions and millions. But that's <laughs> a cool thing about when you find your niche and you really dive in and and create that market for yourself, right? The branding for yourself. Other people will come up and say, well, you know, I really like what you did for them. I know you don't normally work with people like me, but could you help? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. of course. 
You know, yes, I can. We can do that. Very cool. And people get worried. People get worried about like uh, focusing too much or like niching down, as it's sometimes yeah. termed. But really, it it serves to. It not only helps you to have the most impact. I like I like the term laser focus in this context because yes. that laser can really cut through all sorts of materials depending on how focused that laser is. But also, I think something that you, people sleep on is how much more opportunity that it opens up for you. Like you're able to serve the bet your ideal clients with your best work. And other people see you putting your best foot forward and it just attracts more people to what you're doing. Very cool. Absolutely. Good stuff. Um, so yeah, we were going to talk a little bit about leadership and you said mm. that you had some good leaders in your, your background that kind of helped uh, mm. form or shape you. Tell me about them. Well, I had, when I was thinking about this question, there are two that immediately came to mind and they were both because they're, they're relatively recent, but they were both at UPS. And when you mentioning the unloading the package cars, one of my first thoughts was the the floor leader, like the, the floor foreman, the one who was out there kind of like, you know, always in the weeds running everything on a day to day. And he had the best and probably still has the best approach. He was very hands on, very helpful, very encouraging. Um, and he was everywhere. He knew how to do everything a little bit. And he was very good at guiding you to the right thing or seeing when people were struggling and being there, being like, you know, you're doing great. Or if they seen if anybody was like sweating a little bit too much, they'd like bring a bottle of water. It just seemed like no matter what, he was always there with the right thing to do, the right thing to say or not do or not say. Um, and eventually I started watching him, especially as I got a little farther in UPS and had a little bit more time to actually like witness what was going on on the floor. And I could see him paying attention. He was always paying attention and he was always moving. Like not necessarily with like rigorous purpose, but he was always moving, even casually. And he was always looking around. He was and he was always checking in with people. And there was something something very foundational about that. And he had other leadership qualities I admired as well um, and still do. But I, that was really the core of it for me. He was just he was always moving and he was always paying attention to what was going on. Um, and that informed everything else he was doing. And then his boss, who was kind of more of like the operations lead, um, also had the most. He was so even keel and was always excited to teach you something if you didn't know. Like he always like he had all the answers and he was always ready with like, here's the here's the seven ways to handle this hazardous materials package. Or here's how to find this particular kind of package in the system based on what truck it's on. Like and he'll show you on the computer. It was, and it was always so even no matter what was going on, even if you could kind of tell that he was stressed out and you can, you can tell he was feeling the burden of like, we've got certain numbers to hit, you know, yada, 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 or we got to get these trucks out of here by this time so we can get it to the airport by this time. So it gets on the airplane by this time. You could see he's like juggling all that, but it never really seemed to weigh on him too heavily. And he was always even in all of his dealings with everybody, even in a very positive way. Um, and just that like that hyper competency combined with the steady hand was just it was so he never had he would never have to deliberately motivate me i was motivated to make sure that i helped him do what he needed to do because just because of the way he conducted himself and the way he handled things i was just like i want i want to be a part of this person having a successful operation today you know it was just like it was yeah. natural motivation and i just i loved the way that they both led in very similar ways but like in different roles and i just i'm i continue to be inspired by that Nice. So what do you look for in a leader? Mm. That actually, you know, what I look for 
what I look for most nowadays, there's still, there's, there's a lot of stuff I look for in a leader, but something that comes to mind for me a lot um, is vulnerability. And that's a word that's kind of like, it's, it's, it's evolving in its meaning as it applies mm-hmm. to leadership, I think, in a, in a very fascinating way. But I like to think of that vulnerability sort of like, I've, I've, been, I've been gravitating towards the analogy of, the analogy of skin. Um, and I might have shared this with you in our conversation. I, for, I forget. I use I, I, I comes to mind quite a bit when I, especially when I think of leadership. Um, in that skin is defined both by what it lets in and what it keeps out. And there's a certain degree of strength projected and decision making taken and burdens of responsibility that's important, I think, intrinsic to leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and a leader needs to be vulnerable, available, connect, like able to connect with people, able to listen, able to yes. speak, communicate, translate. Um, it's not either or, it's both and. And so I find myself focusing more on the vulnerability side these days as I, as I look to develop my own leadership and I look for, for strong leaders out in the world. Nice. Very cool. So as director of marketing at Boxer, do you have folks working for you, working under you? Yeah, it's much more the way that we structure things is much more collaborative. Um, if like anybody could tell me what to do, <laughs> pretty much like if they need me to help them with something, I'm naturally available and I'm also proactively available. That's another that's another thing too that I find to be valuable as a, as a leader for me is to make sure that I'm proactive in making sure that people understand that I'm not just around if they need me, but also seeing where they might need me and stepping into those spaces. But um, yeah, I have a, a number of people, three or four that I, you know, tell what to do from time to time. It's really much more about guidance and encouragement and occasional, occasional like manual help where it's just like, here, let me, let me write this for you. Or, you know, let me, let me figure out this problem that's happening with this, with this platform that you need to use to, to post everything or whatever it happens to be. So, um, and that's where the hats come on and come off yes. where I'm just like, you need me to be the the tech guru and I need to be a little bit of IT or now I need to be a little bit more of a consultant and or maybe now I need to like, you know, talk to a client with you. We'll have a little meeting and kind of make sure we're all on the same page or, you know, whatever, have, or launch a new product and let's have a product launch meeting or whatever that happens to be. So that's that's a lot of how leadership for me happens at Boxer. It's much, it's very nice. collaborative. And I, and I, I make sure that I'm following as much as I'm leading. Cause I think that's an important part of leadership too. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and in your past lives, you've had people reporting to you, I'm sure. Oh yeah. So if I was to bump into any of these folks on the road and ask them what type of leader you are, hmm, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? I would think, Available, actively available, and hands off, and that's in. I think that's largely for the good, but also sometimes in bad ways. I like to. I've always found it to be most efficacious for me as a leader to encourage and guide and equip as best as I can to try to do that, but then also to to make sure that I'm not just stepping in and like you know putting my hands on top of their hands and like t- taking too much in an act of hand micromanaging. Basically, I've always. I've always had an allergy to it that I've I've developed into an aversion because <laughs> I, I think it's important for for at least me as a leader to avoid that sort of whatever urge I might have to micromanage or just take control as an expression of my leadership, which is not leadership at all. Um, but sometimes I could be a little too distant in that way as well. So I'm not it's my it's my nature to be at least a little self-deprecating, but that's something I've spent time thinking about, like how I how I represent myself and how I show up 
for the people I'm I'm leading or for the people who I'm responsible to help or aid in some way. And yeah, it's uh, actively available, making sure that everyone at least thinks they have what they need and trying to provide them with everything that I think they might need. And then making sure to let things play out as they will. Watching, but also kind of stepping back and stepping aside, mostly for the good, sometimes for the not so good, but you got you have to err in some direction. And so that's the, yeah. that's the, that's the direction that I've erred in in the past. And I think that's what people would say about me, at least in the last, you know, few years, decades. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. Managers, you know, cause there's, there's push and pull, right? Mm. You can push things on them. Here's how to do it. Here's how to do it. And eventually you're going to basically what you're telling them, I think is, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. You have the skills and knowledge to do this. So do it my way. And that's going to kill the relationship and, and you're going to lose that employee. The pull where you can tell them, hey, here's what we need done, right? Here's the goal. Um, if you have everything you need, I'm available. Call me if you need anything, you know, and, and create that environment where they're safe to come up and say, you know, I think I made a mistake here. How do I do this? What do I do? They're pulling that information. It gives them a little bit more confidence. And, you know, it, it you're not over over managing, micromanaging, because that's that's the quickest way to to get rid of somebody, I think. Hire them for their skills and then don't let them use them. <laughs> Here's a recipe for you. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's it's just, it could be a, a a tricky a tricky uh path to navigate because I also, and this is where I kind of am thinking about some of my failures as a leader in the past, where I've stepped too far away, mm-hmm. and I it's like in, out of trust and out of out of encouragement and equipping, um, but then the person who I'm leading doesn't feel my presence, and they feel like I've maybe abandoned them or I'm not paying attention to them. Um, I am, but they're not seeing it, or maybe I'm not paying enough of attention to them, or I'm not close enough. And they, the trust erodes from their side. It's like, I trust them, but they begin to lose trust in me as a leader who cares about them. And so that's, that's something that's very like, you want to make sure that the, uh, the distance between you as, as, as a leader and who you're leading and also the elasticity of the relationship, like different relationships have different elasticity. Like there are some rubber bands you can pull a little tiny bit and they'll, they'll snap because the tension is already too high just by the nature of the material, the nature of whatever the task happens to be. Some relationships are very elastic and you can be very far away. And then that tension is just right. And everything's getting done and everyone feels trusted and empowered and it works great. And making sure that I, as a leader, keep my eye on the elasticity of those relationships and make sure I'm pulling enough to have useful tension but not pulling too much so as to maybe snap something that really can't afford to be snapped. That's, that's something that, and that's an active, that's an active navigation of leadership. It's something that I think about and focus on every day. Nice. Yeah. I wish more people did. You're right. <laughs> that's good. All right. Courage. We talk about courage on the podcast. Um, where do you find the courage to escape the nine to five to create your own success? Where do you find the courage to overcome setbacks in business? like the failures, the bankruptcies, divorce, illnesses, whatever it happens to be. Um, How about you? Have you ever had any setbacks you've had to overcome? And if so, where did you find the courage? Yeah, tons. (laughs) So many, innumerable setbacks. Um, But I really... Even calling it, calling them setbacks. I mean, there's just, there are, there are bumps in the road and sometimes they're potholes. Sometimes they're speed bumps. Sometimes it's just the, the, the way the road is laid. Um, and it's not always sometimes there's sinkholes. Right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's a cliff side and you're like, whoops, I've just accidentally thumb and Louise myself. Yes. Um, but there's, there's, it's 
something that I've learned about about myself personally, and I think this is true universally, is that there's a a large helping of how I choose to how I choose to take what comes that informs my courage to go forward. Um, and it's very easy, like, for example, and this is something I've been working on since, for, since a very young age and will continue working on for the rest of my life, I'm certain, is the very simple statement, hey, don't take it personally. It's like, sure, super duper easy to say, a <laughs> lifetime of learning to figure out how not to do. And by not take it personally, I mean, like, don't internalize any failures or setbacks or missteps or things going wrong as something that is wrong about me. And that's something I also like, and because I do that for myself and think it's important for myself, I also want that for other people. It's not you who are a failure. It's just something happened that didn't work. Let's go forward from there. And on failures, that, 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 that's a whole other like multi-hour long podcast I can go on because sure. failure is the, the greatest teacher. And that's another thing that's very yes. easy to say. And you spend your whole life learning how great of a teacher failure can be and how much you can learn from setbacks and missteps and mistakes and stumbles and all of the above. Um, but that not take it personally part by not internalizing it in some quite frankly, unhealthy way. I found myself much more able to access my courage to, to move forward in the face of whatever's coming or whatever's happening or has happened, or seems like it might happen. That courage just like by making, making room for it, by not filling up myself with, you know, negative self-talk or, you know, self-identification with, with negative circumstances outside of my control or not. Um, I create more space in myself, in my heart, in my, in my, in my being for courage to just naturally come out. And that's, that's something I'm still learning to trust. Like that, that, that will happen if I've just like, if I just, if I set myself on the right path and make sure I don't, don't take things too personally, don't start thinking about yourself in this very like centering way, just like evaluate the circumstance, move into it with the people you have to move into it with, or maybe it's just you on your own and then find your way through and find your way forward. The courage to take those steps will come with the commitment to move. And yeah, I'll spend the rest of my life learning to trust that. But that's, that's, that for me, that's where my courage most, most actively grows. Nice. Yeah. I had a guy on the podcast a couple of weeks back saying that, uh, in his mind, courage is action, of course, but you have to have a, a goal, a vision in mind of exactly mm. where you want to be. And that's what drives you. It's like, that's what I want, whatever it takes to get there, however much it's going to hurt, however mm -hmm. much it's going to suck. That's what I want to do. And so you do those things. And yeah. you're right. Uh, yeah. Failures. You learn a lot of lessons through the failures, right? Somebody once told me the learn from other people's mistakes because you'll never live long enough to make them all yourself. <laughs> I love that. that's one of my very favorites. I love that one. Um, so you had some examples of leadership. Do you have any examples of courage? People who showed courage or, or, or showed you, you know, demonstrated that for you? Hmm. I mean, once again, I, I feel very, very corny that this was the first thing I thought of, but my mom was the first person I thought about as soon as you mm -hmm. asked that. Um, my, my parents divorced when I was very young, when I was four. Um, my dad passed away years ago, but my mom is still with us. And she, um, along with my sister, like the three of us, we made made an interesting life together. And she was never, things didn't always break well for her, but she was always so dedicated to 
to her motherhood and being a mother and being a good mother and equipping equipping me and my sister in the ways that we needed to be. And so I'm, I come from a New Jersey Italian family and resilient in the way that you might imagine a New Jersey Italian woman to be. Yeah. <laughs> very, very both like loud and brash and courageous and also, you know, vulnerable and needing to be cared for sometimes. That's some, one of the things I loved the most about becoming an adult was the evolution of my relationship with my mom and seeing where her courage came from and being able to interact more with those those vulnerable wells of 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 emotion and, uh, and of self-regard where all of it came from and to be able to connect with it on a quieter, deeper level, kind of free from the, you know, your... I don't like, I hate you, mom, teenage years, right. you know, it's like, you're not teenage, the boss yes. of me, you know, all that, all that nonsense stuff that we all go through. Um, but yeah, she was the first person I thought of when you asked. So I'll, 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 I'll risk being corny and say my mom. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I think a lot of us can point back to family members somewhere, right? My, my parents, my aunt and uncle, you know, the things that they showed, the things that they had to go through and it, they never wavered. They just kept mm. marching forward. Yeah. Love that. Um, so tell me about the podcast conversations hmm. with coaches. What did you start that or was that going at Boxer before you got there? It was, it started while I was at Boxer, but originally, um, the managing partner Boxer was the host of it. Um, and it was just, it really just started out as an excuse to meet coaches and have conversations. <laughs> it wasn't even called conversations with coaches at the start. I think we called it like coffee with coaches. Cause we were, it was basically just meant to be like a little five, maybe 10 minute, yeah. you know, cup of coffee and talk about like you know what what drives you or what moves you or what's exciting or whatever happens to be and it was basically just like a networking thing we're just like let's sure. just meet meet the kind of people that we want to work with and work for and see what they're like see what they're about right. see how we can orient our own you know our agency to serve um and it very quickly like after like a few not even dozen i think it was like 10 or 20 episodes um michael pacheco the managing partner of boxer asked me if i wanted to be the host um, and I said, I'm very interested, a little scared because I had never hosted a podcast before. And I was like, you know, I started getting like little flop sweats. It's like, oh, what am I going to do? I must never done it before. It's going to be interesting. OK. And I just I went for it. I was like, you know what? This is this is almost certainly a good thing for Boxer. This is almost certainly a good thing for me because <laughs> I'm going to be flexing some some flabby muscles that could probably use some work. And it's probably going to be a good thing for the people we have on because of where, where we're coming from. It's like, let's just have a conversation. Let's connect. That spoke to me very powerfully. I was like, that's what I like to do anyway in life. This is just another way to do it. Let's try it and see what happens. And very quickly, it became a thing unto itself for me and for Boxer to where it's just obviously I still get to like talk to and meet people like yourself. Um, but I just get to have sometimes amazingly deep conversations about like the stuff that really drives us. It's the, the why of what we're doing um, and the things that really move us and like leadership development and, and courage in, in the right places at the right times and how to move through the world professionally and personally um, as the world changes all around us and the ground falls from out, out from under our feet and having these deep conversations still in a really like short format, like it's like 15, 20 minutes. And because I, well, because I've gotten hundreds of reps now, I've gotten a lot better at trusting my guests to just like, let's just go together. Let's have a conversation. You're a coach. So you're already great at communicating. You're great at translating your thoughts and emotions in a way that's both expressive of who you are and accessible to other people. Why don't I just trust that 
and let's see where the conversation goes. And every single time, in my opinion, we have a great conversation. I always have a fantastic time. I always learn something. And I feel like at this point now, we're really providing something to our audience, like little, little samples, little tidbits of what coaching is actually like for the executive, for the career, for everything in between, in business and in personal life, in relationships, in entrepreneurship. Um, talk to coaches who coach coaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the snake eats its own tail. Everything comes back yes. to the beginning um, exactly. and everything in between. And it just becomes, it has become something in and of itself, tremendously valuable. And I, I, I'm very, I'm very pleased and proud and humbled to be a part of like the little tiny contribution to the rising tide of coaching that the podcast gets to be and super duper excited to record hundreds more. It's really like my favorite thing that I do every week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, totally agree. So what's your biggest takeaway from the podcast? Is there one thing that either you learned or one thing that just really stuck with you? I think it was that trust that trust element where if you, if you are, if you orient, actually, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll answer this slightly differently. Um, because basically the, uh, the podcast is a question. And then the answer is the episode itself. And the question is, do we have anything to talk about? Sort of it's like, what, what, what are we going to talk about today? Or what can we talk about? What, what, what's, what's a good conversation to have and trusting, like shaping the question. If it's, a, if it's the right question, like stated the right way to the right person at the right time, the answer just falls out. The right answer just comes naturally and leads you to the next better question. It's, it's again, very elemental to like to what most coaches do and realizing that that was just like gravity. Like that was just going to happen every time, not 97% of the time. It was just going to happen every time. In different ways, because different people are different and they're going to come out in different ways, but it's it's just going to happen every time. And realizing that and just trusting it is really probably the single the single greatest insight and inspiration I've gotten from the podcast. Because, yeah, now it's just I mean, I still I still prepare because that's the kind of brain that I am. But I sure. also have complete and total trust that I'm going to have a great conversation because I know who I'm talking to and I know that we're aligned and it's good. It's 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 going to be at least fun and interesting, possibly deeply insightful, and maybe even moving. Yeah. So that's it. So now, now I get every time I'm about to hop into a Zoom room, I get excited. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's a it's a great podcast. You're a great host. Love the the questions you make. You you made me feel very comfortable. You know, Good. some I've been on a couple of podcasts where it was almost scripted. Here's mm-hmm. a list of questions. Don't deviate. <laughs> <laughs> but yours was just an open conversation. I loved it. I had a great time. So very cool. Good. Yeah, this uh, has that's, been awesome. That's so good to hear. Thank you. Oh, thank you no, for ta- thank you for taking the time to to say that too, because it's always like sometimes you feel like you're out in the void, just like just yeah. doing podcasts and writing emails. Can you and hear like me I, now? Can you hear me yeah. now? Yeah. <laughs> right. Now this has been great. Thank you so much for taking time out to uh, to talk with us. Um, yeah. What's next for you? What's next? Next, another another two hundred episodes of the podcast. Um, one thing I'm really excited about, and I was just actually, I was just talking about this earlier this week, just yesterday with the team is how at first we were doing a lot of, a lot of like direct messaging to people to be like, Hey, come on the podcast. We're on LinkedIn, you know, making connections and sending DMS and kind of just like, you know, expanding Explorer network. One of our founding partners is a coach as well. And so he had a number of like, you know, dozens and dozens of coaches that he had connections with. He's in the Forbes coaching council, all that usual stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and now at this point, 
I'm meeting a lot of people for the first time when we record for the podcast and either they were recommended by a previous guest or, and this is starting to happen now too, they just found it. Nice. I mean, when you have a podcast that's got a two, it's a three digit number and a two at the front. It's like, there's an immediate like, okay, this isn't just some, some guy in his basement. I mean, I am a guy in my basement, but still a little, a little bit more than that. It's like, this is a little bit legit. Let me find out more. And I'm now talking to people who I'm the first person even loosely affiliated with boxer they've ever met. And that's just, I'm it's, it's both confirmatory and very like exciting. Like it's, it's very motivating or I'm just like, Oh, sure. it's got traction. And it's like, it's, it's helping. It's being of service and it's more people are wanting to come on and, I'm having even more different kinds of conversations because now my my network is expanded outside of my awareness. So now I'm having different kinds of conversations than I could have even imagined because I'm meeting different people, still coaches, still consultants, still still trainers and teachers and everything in between um, who are coming to me with with slightly different perspectives or serving a slightly different niche that I get to talk to them about. And that's just tremendously exciting. And I love what that means about how many more people Boxer gets to help. I know it sounds quiet. I keep I keep retreating into the corniness. That's that's naturally me though, and just naturally being corny is just that's that's who I'm going to be. But that's that's why I'm here, and that's why I do what I do, and that's why I love it. Is because I get to meet people, connect with them, and if there's an opportunity to to be of service, I'm positioned to be of service, and I get to I get to both help and also find out through this process how to be of more help. It's like how things might change or might evolve, or it's like, hey, you know. We don't do anything quite like that now, but it seems like a need for the kind of people we want to help. Maybe we should develop something along those lines. And it's just, it's such a lovely process of discovery and then new questions and then new connections and then more discovery and more service and then new questions and on and on into perpetuity, I guess. I mean, I love it. (laughs) That's awesome. No, it's cool. And your passion shows through. Definitely. Absolutely. (laughs) So Anyways, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk with us. If people want to learn more about you and, and Boxer, how can they do that? What's your guys' website? Website is boxer.agency. We've got one of those funny, funny uh, top-level domains, but like it's we like it, boxer.agency. So not boxeragency.com. <laughs> it's yeah. boxer.agency. Um, and you can find us by like, you know, Boxer Media and Growth Marketing is our full, you know, proper name, first, last, middle name, surname, et cetera. Um, and for me, you can find me most frequently on LinkedIn. And it's just my full name. It's Kevin George Stafford. Um, and you can you can just do the usual search stuff and find me there. Um, I'm not as active as I know I should be, but I'm much more of a like I'm always lurking around, liking stuff, dropping comments here and there. Um, so yeah, the website and the LinkedIn profile are probably the two easiest, best places to find me. And yeah, if you if you want to reach out to me, Kevin at boxer.agency, real easy to email me. I'm always interested to start another conversation. If you want to talk to this silly human being and have some and have some enthusiastic conversation about things that like you're passionate about, I'm always accepting new people on the podcast because it again, once again, it's like, why would I, why would I stop? <laughs> Unless I ran out of calendar space, which yep. so far I still have, I still have some blank space on the calendar. So that's, yeah, that's reach out, connect with me. And I'd, I would love, love to chat like this, probably a little bit shorter. I promise yeah. I, I could be much more succinct when it's my podcast. Cause I'm, I'm looking up at the zoom clock and we're already almost an hour in that's, I can feel myself, you know, I'm so tickled and enthusiastic about the rambles that I'm just, I'm starting to go on and on. So yes, I promise to be more brief. <laughs> no worries. In our, no in worries. our future time together. <laughs> All right. 
I will make sure that all the links, links to the podcast or link to the, hmm. the website, uh, your link to LinkedIn and everything like that. All those notes are in the show notes. So people know how to get in touch with you and find you. All right. Excellent. Kevin, thanks again for taking time out with us. Oh, really appreciate thank you, Harlan. It. It's been a delight. All right. Absolutely. Listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes, a lot of good information here. Definitely check out boxer.agency. And uh, if you're a coach and you'd like to uh, talk to Kevin about uh, what you do and how you do it, conversation with coaches, definitely the podcast check out. All right. And share this episode with your family, friends, colleagues. Uh, make sure you subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode drops and uh, stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan saying so long for now.